you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how's it going, man? Man, one one step closer. Uh, training camps are opening up. Uh, Dallas and Pittsburgh, they open up at the end of the week. So we're, we're here. Like, it's... It's on. We're finally back to football, and so we can start talking about real stuff instead of uh, speculating and all that I, other stuff. I, you know, it's funny. I, I'm going to be uh, – I got to drive my daughter's car out to Dallas. Um, she goes to school out there, so I got to drop – I'm going to drop that off this weekend because she doesn't have to be at school for a little while yet, but I'm not going to be able to do it once we get to August because we're Man, you're not, you're not going to put that on a flatbed? I, I, I looked at that, but then I got – I was too cheap because I was like, I can put it on that, but I could just save all this money. I, I mean, who's who's more trained than you or I to go for a long uh, drive? Man, that's I, I will say this. I, we can look, do it. It makes us appreciate love, our new life by looking at what our life used to be. I guess, man. But I might have paid somebody just to get in the car and drive that. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I've done that before. When I was playing, I used to have a, a a buddy that I would just pay to just drive the car from my home in North Carolina up to Green Bay or wherever I was playing. And then I would just fly him back. Um I hated doing those drives, man. You t- how long is that drive from? Um, so Dallas? it's about. I think it's about nineteen hours. Oh, there's no. There's no. So way. I do. I break it up. I do a twelve and a seven. So I get. I get. Uh, maybe it's even a fourteen and a five. I go straight from my house to Odessa, Texas. Like that's my. That's my stop. I get up and go though. So, but this is this is what I'm getting at. I've got a couple books. I've some audio books I've downloaded, which I'm excited <laughs> about which I'll be able to reference on the show in the future because you love learning like I love learning. So mm-hmm. uh, so that's going to be help, helpful. But then I was like, I, I mean, I'm going to be in Dallas. You know, I've got to have half a day there before I got to fly back home. The Cowboys might be in camp. I mean, maybe I just maybe I just swing over, catch a yeah. practice. The Cowboys, are, they're going to be in Oxnard. Oh, they're in Oxnard. You miss them. Forget it. You miss them. I didn't um, know they're out here for the whole camp. I thought maybe nah, they, they did a little there. They came out here the whole time. They're, they're out here for 23 days. But the funny thing is uh, talking to people in the building, I think they're only practicing 13 of those 23 days. So it's not a lot of practicing going on. Um, a very different schedule uh, when it comes to it. Man, hats off to you, though. Those two drives like that. It's a, war- is- it's a warrior spirit. It's a warrior spirit, Buck. Um, Anything over three and a half, you can kind of tap me out. Um, by the way, so for – this I'm gonna just give you. I'm not gonna tell you which team it is, but like people, I think maybe kind of wonder what goes on in training camp. Obviously, you've been on the player mm-hmm. side of it as well. Um, so I, let me just give you a quick day here, and then let me first of all let's tell you what we got coming up on the show. We've got some some breaking news with Cam Akers getting injured. We're gonna talk about that. Uh, we're gonna talk about you mentioned the Cowboys, uh, the Steelers, the Bucks. They all get going this week, so we have a little bit of a preview on those three teams. Some interesting news. Um, uh, interesting article that came out that we were both in, interested in. We've talked about building personnel departments for college programs. And this um, is kind of all about how that started uh, at the University of Alabama with Nick Saban when he uh, took that job. And so we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit as well. So some cool, cool topics to get to. But let me give you, if you're listening to this, 
kind of wonder what a random day at training camp is like. And it's different now than it was uh, when you were playing Buck, just with the, the rules the way they are. So let's go seven to nine breakfast. Um, you also have the training room open during those hours. So between seven and nine, you get your breakfast. You can get, get to the training room. Um, you know, coaching wise, they have a, a staff meeting at seven 30, just go for about 10 minutes. Um, uh, one day th- on this particular day, the defense would be getting their lift in from eight to nine. Um, you know, the next day would be the offense practices go from 10 to 12. Then you've got from 12 to two 30, um, just kind of a you know, recovery period, uh, get some lunch. Um, you have a special teams meeting would be at, at two o'clock to two 30. Um, you've got your, then your, uh, offense defense meetings from two 30 to three 30. So it's a lot of meeting. Then you got to walk through from three 40 to four 25, mm. uh, from four 30 to five, another special teams meeting, uh, five to five 30 dinner, and then from 5.30 to 6.45, you're in position meetings. At 6.45, it's a team meeting. And then you're done at 7 o'clock, you get a snack. So, I mean, literally, you're 7 to 7. DJ, I don't know how you can meet that long. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like, to me, that sounds miserable uh, from <laughs> just trying to stay engaged. Like, but you I mean, can't – the right? rules are you can't, be on the, you can't be on the field like you used to I be mean, on the field. You, you rattled off like 15 different meetings. I don't <laughs> – like you have to be so up on it when it comes to your presentation game to keep guys engaged because after a week or so of that, you're nodding off like looking at the same films because you don't have enough – you don't have enough on the field work to really feel – to, to, to watch. To, yeah. So so what are you watching? You're watching games and, and all that other stuff. And I know you can't do uh you, you mentioned the, the mid-afternoon walkthrough, which is really, I mean, it is sandals and hat backwards, like you're not going at pace. Yeah. You really can't get any I mean, you can't get a lot done. It, it's I mean. it's really it's really tailored to the veteran player. It's not tailored for the development of guys, which which again is another reason. Well, we could go off on a tangent here, but it's the reason why I think a lot of these teams have adopted the college approach of, of running two huddles of having, you know, young guys getting a chance to get as many reps as they can in that limited practice window that you have. Yeah. And I, it, it's funny. So DJ, um, you talk about the two huddles. I was actually reading this stuff. Uh, Matt Campbell from Iowa state. I can now understand, like I knew he was a really good coach, but I now can understand why NFL teams are hot and heavy on him. He talked about at Iowa State, what they did last year is they ran two different practices during that time. So if you think about having a three-hour block, um, they would go 90 minutes, 75 minutes apiece, ones and twos running one practice, get them mm-hmm. off the field, then you do it all over again with the developmental squad um, to get to get them going or whatever. I wonder with a, with a practice schedule like that where you just have all the meetings, why not do it that way? Because you got to figure out a way to to have tape on the on the board to be able to see these things or whatever without it becoming repetitive and redundant. You have to be very creative with your meeting space because that yeah. is a lot well, of meeting well, time. Well, the thing with the practice at the NFL level is, you know, when you have an unlimited number of coaches versus the college game. So we you can, can have we can split, split them and have them going yeah. at the exact same time. Um, and then we can have tape. We have tape that's covering both things. So we get in the meeting room, we'd be able to watch both. Um, but yeah, no, it's, those are long days, man. Uh, long days for, for players and coaches alike. 
as we get towards training camp. Um, all right, some of the news that just came down, Buck. Uh, Akers, Cam Akers, very talented running back. We both really liked him coming out of Florida State. It was a, really a steal for the Rams there in the second round. Played well last year, unfortunately. Um, has an Achilles uh, injury, so he's going to be done for the year. And that's a cruddy injury, too. You hate to see that. Uh, but just your take on uh, on what it means for the Rams. They've come out and said, look, they're not in a hurry to go get anybody. They really like Daryl Henderson, um, and they're going to kind of roll with what they've got. Yeah, you know, DJ, this is a devastating injury for them because he was ready to go to the next level. Um, he is someone I've compared him to Dalvin Cook in, uh, in terms of how impactful he can be as a runner and also as a receiver. He has big-time playmaking ability. And you can see at the end of the year when the game kind of slowed down and – he settled in. He showed some of that explosive pop. I think the plan this year with him, he was going to be the bell cow. He was going to get the bulk of the carries. He's going to be impact in the passing game to alleviate some of the pressure on Matthew Stafford. And they were going to be able to play the way that Sean McVay wants to play. Now it goes to Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson drafted out of Memphis, um, a guy who has some some juice, some sizzle, some sauce with the ball in his hands. But can he tote the mail? Um the way the Cam Akers was expected to tote it. You're talking about 16 to 20 carries, maybe four to five receptions. Darren Henderson isn't necessarily built to do that. So who else is involved in this rotation? And how does Sean McVay keep the rotation going while also making sure he's putting his quarterback in the best position to succeed? Can I give you my hope is that Jake Funk um, ends up playing well, his seventh-round pick out of Maryland. (laughs) Just just because I guarantee you it's happening is that the first time that he catches a ball out of the backfield from Stafford for a touchdown, somebody is inevitably going to tweet, it's it's Matty Matt and the Funky Bunch. It's going to be – it's coming. That, that's coming. Yeah. I'm just telling you, just I be mean, ready. That tweet has been crafted as we speak that that's coming from somebody out there. I, I mean, maybe, maybe so. But this, this changes how – like, I think this changes a lot because they were going to lean heavy on that outside zone run game, the bootleg part of it, um, using Cam Akers as a little bait to create big He brings some physicality. Like, I like Henderson's a nice – and to me, he's perfectly situated as a change of pace guy. But yeah. the physicality, you don't get that from him that you would have got from Akers. No, you don't. And, and Akers' ability was going to make teams have to put that extra defender in the box and really to defend against the Rams' running game to control them. And that opens up things in the passing game. Now, you may dare them to run because you also wonder – how much confidence does Sean McVay have in the run, running backs behind um, Cam Akers? Big change. Changes changes a lot already. We haven't even kicked off training camp. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Yeah. Uh, before we leave the ramps here, just your thoughts. I didn't, We haven't talked about this. Jimmy Ward basically saying he's not really worried about Matthew Stafford. Jimmy Ward up there uh, with the Niners because, you know, Matthew Stafford all this time in Detroit. And he, I think he even mentioned even with Megatron didn't really get anything done in the postseason. Yeah. No, I mean, on paper, yes, he doesn't have any playoff wins. He's only four. He's only had four winning seasons during his time as a starting quarterback, 12 years. However, he is really talented. He has big time arm talent. You can't deny that he can, 
make things happen and they're going to create some big plays for him to happen, big plays for opportunities for him to get after it in the passing game. Jimmy Ward in the 49ers, like I understand where the confidence comes from. <laughs> That's always a knockdown drag out affair. So it might have been easy to lead the bear alone. I certainly wouldn't want to poke him. Can you think of anybody in NFL history that has kind of that career that Stafford's had? In other words, that's like all of the yards, all of the stats um, without much success from a team standpoint. I mean, you guys, I mean, you go back. I know Archie Manning's going way, way back, but, you know, his stats weren't amazing, but he was a really good player on a really, really bad team. But I mean, just in the more recent history, can you think of somebody that that posted big numbers like that that didn't have team success? Man, I don't I don't know. It normally goes hand in hand. I can't think of anybody who had the level of success that Matthew Stafford has had. And I moved on because most of the time, if the quarterback it's, it's is a playing unique, that yeah, level, it's a it's a unique situation. There's yeah, not, the, the team is playing comes well. To mind. Yeah, I I can't think of anything like that because his numbers are ridiculous. And when you mm-hmm. see him play up in two years ago, I had him as an MVP front runner until uh, he broke his thumb. Then the following two years, he hasn't been as good as he was during that high moment. But he's still a talented, talented uh, player and passer. Then Sean McVay, a creative mind. They'll find ways to keep him engaged. I mean, I would say that, you know, before he got to uh, Arizona, you know, you had Carson. But Carson went to the playoffs with Cincinnati. They won that division several times with Carson Palmer. They didn't have success, and he got hurt in one of the games against Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. They didn't have postseason success. But, I mean, I I guess maybe during those early years, but, I mean, not, not for the prolonged period uh, that Stafford has. And Carson won the – I think they had more – I know those division wins came some with Andy Dalton. I have to go back and look that up. But I, mm-hmm. I, I want to say Carson had achieved more team success than Stafford did. But that's maybe a little bit similar. Number one overall picks. Yeah, very similar. And then in his uh, – now the second go-round, the third go-round, it really blossomed for him uh, down in Arizona. Matthew yeah, Stafford, I just block out the whole the Raiders thing. I just I blocked that out. I know. Uh, Matthew Stafford's thing is, is really interesting just because – what do you do with all the stuff in Detroit? And does he have scars from failing to be able to come through in the clutch in games and moments and those things? So I don't know. It's it's, it's interesting, but I, I do understand why all the eyeballs and the conversation is on uh, Matthew Stafford. It's just, it, it's challenging to hear when you, you, you think about what they're putting together, what they should have if Cam Akers is available now, what does it look like? Is he back to having to play like he had to play in Detroit, which is really what he was trying to get away from, where it was all on hanging on his right arm? So closer than you think. I just pulled up Carson's numbers. So Carson had, you know, from age 25 at Cincinnati um, to age 31. That was his that was his career there. He had an 11 and five season and a 10 and six season. Those are the only winning records that he had during that during that time. And uh, about the same point in his career where Stafford's making a move to another team, that's when Carson made his move. Now, you got the two years in Oakland, uh, nothing to write home about there. And then you mentioned it. He gets mm-hmm. he get a couple good years there in Arizona, you know, in his in mid to late 30s. So that actually is probably not a terrible comparison there because nobody ever could deny the talent that Carson Palmer had. Yeah, no, good, good comparison. Um, you know, it's. Can we get I, a notebook? I, I haven't given you a notebook idea in a long time. Can we sneak that into okay. the notebook this week? 
about Matthew Stafford? I think I'm yeah, right. Stafford Palmer. I, we don't have nobody's talked about the Palmer Matthew Stafford thing. Come on, Buck, get it in there. No, I might let's see if I can put footnote, it, footnote it, it down. Shut that down. Carson Palmer, similar stats. All right. Got you. Here we All go. Right. We, go. So we, we, we get something in there. Yeah, I like to contribute to the notebook once a month. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get to these teams here. Uh, Bucks, Cowboys, Steelers, all opening up training camp. Let's get to the Cowboys here. Um, just, you know, you you do a lot of stuff with this team, Buck, and, and pay a close attention to this Cowboy team. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. To me, I, I when I look at the roster and as we get ready for camp, there's two my two big takeaways. Number one, CD Lamb, I think, is going to have a monster year. And people overreact. I, I posted a picture he had put up where he's just shredded, and I said he's going to have a monster year. Like, oh, he took his shirt off. That means he's going to have a monster No. <laughs> Nothing. This is just a picture of CD Lamb along with my take, which I've had for a while now, which is he is going to explode with Dak Prescott for a full season. He's a premier route runner. He's got outstanding hands, and now he's going to have the full knowledge of the system year two. Um, and a healthy quarterback, he's going to explode. So that, that was my first takeaway. The second takeaway is this team goes to me as the secondary goes on defense. I mean, that's that that's just that simple. I mean, look, it's, it's really simple. It's Dak Prescott on this offense, continue to play at a high level. They were lighting up scoreboards prior to Dak Prescott's injury, but the defense let him down. Dan Quinn is now viewed as the answer. Um, he comes in, he's going to – Keep it pretty simple. They're going to do a good job of running to the football, making things happen. And if they don't allow the ball to fly over their head, they will have a chance. If they can keep the ball in front and make people drive the ball down the length of the field, they, they, they're going to win 10 games. It's just a matter of how well can they take care of the game and are they able to win the trenches. And I, I am excited of rookies. Micah Parsons, the player, he's a phenomenal talent, uh, the linebacker at Penn State who they took mm-hmm. in the first round. But even more so than him, the player, I think I'm just nerding out on the fact we're going to see number 11 out there uh, at the <laughs> linebacker position. I love that rule, man. When you're going through, is at this time, you're kind of going through depth charts and you're looking at players and remind yourself who's where, and you see the numbers and you're like, oh, I love this rule, man. Give me the number 11 at linebacker. He's going to look smooth. Oh, uh, what, about, what about single digits? I'm, I'm a fan. Only... Only ballers can wear single digits. So Jalen Smith is going to be lining up next to him, rocking number nine. So I know that's going to look that? different, man, on an NFL field to see nine and eleven at the second level. Um, but you know, there's look. I'm not. I'm not worried about them up front. I think they're going to be good up front. I think even this the, the youth and athleticism they have there with Micah Parsons at the second level. You're hoping Jalen Smith. He came on as the year went along last year. We'll, you know, we'll see what happens with the rest of their health of those guys. Keanu Neal, how is he going to slide in there? Leighton Vanderesh, etc. I'm not worried about that front. I just look at that back end, and I'm looking at young players, particularly Kelvin Joseph's going to have to jump right in there, hit the ground running. Um, he's very talented, very gifted athlete, but he needs to play discipline. Um, so that, that's going to be something to keep an eye on with the Dallas Cowboys. When you go over to the offensive side, I mentioned CeeDee Lamb. Um, Buck, the offensive line's a little long in the tooth here. Uh, yeah, are you, concerned? Really are you concerned? Absolutely. I'm really concerned because I was one of those in draft. In the draft, I was saying, hey, if one of the big guys is sitting there, pay, um, Penny Sewell, you got you to make the move because you need to protect the quarterback's blind side. They believe they're fine. They believe that uh, pull the dirt on it, throw a Band-Aid on the injuries, it, it'll be okay. I'm not inclined. Yeah, I'm yeah, not inclined. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 sense, I sense some yeah, concern, I'm not, I'm not, concern in yeah, your voice. I'm not inclined. I, I worry about that. But 
offensively, they can score. So the skilled players are, are going to do their thing. I just don't know up front if they can control the game, particularly against a vaunted defensive front. I'm curious when you get to these training camps, the early days, to see what Zeke looks like, what type of shape he's in. Oh, uh, he looks like he's shaped based on based on the pictures, unless it's Photoshop. The abs. Are- I, I'm saying let's get let's get a look at him in person. You're going to get out there and see him at camp. I'm anxious to see what what he looks like when you get a chance to to get up close and take a look at him, see where his head is because he needs to have a big year here for the Cowboys. But uh, still, I, I still uh, I think they're in the mix. I think they're a division contender for sure. I think that division's wide open. And they're right there. So we'll see how they go uh, as they kick off training camp this week. Uh, let's get to uh, before we get to the defending champs with the Tampa Bay Bucks, Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm. So, Buck, I, when I was getting ready for this and looking at this roster, and we talked about last year, big issue. They were playing half court. They, you know, Ben, mm. they couldn't push the ball down the field. The field shrunk as teams realized that it just they got suffocated offensively. Yeah. So then you get reports. Okay, Ben's feeling better. The arms. He's in, he's further removed from that surgery. His arm's going to be better. It's going to allow him to push the ball down the field. When I look at the makeup of this offensive line, I don't know that they're going to be able to protect long enough to push the ball down the field. I think they're going to end up having the, the same issues that they had last year, just for a different reason. Yeah, I think they may have some issues, but Najee Harris is going to erase a lot of those issues because Najee Harris' unique ability to play running back, receiver, and do a lot of different things is going to make them really hone in on him. They do that. They'll run a game with trickle a little bit. Their pass protection will stay pretty solid. And they'll finish the game really like playing at a high level. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. So, Buck, Alabama's offensive line. (laughs) Pittsburgh Steelers' offensive line. Yeah, you know, you know how, you know how. Mm-hmm. And when you play it, and especially in college college football, right, where you got to go into some of these college towns, you'd be like, "What? Well, well, the college is in this town. Why are we flying into a different city and having to bus over there?" Well, you know what? They don't have a long enough runway for you to fly in there. The runway that Najee Harris had at Alabama is not going to be there in Pittsburgh. And and I'm not saying he can't figure this thing out, but it's going to be an adjustment, man. This is not a good offensive line. It's just not. Well, I, I can't say they weren't offense. They're not a great offensive line because we haven't seen this unit play. The line they had last year was not a great offensive line. Look, look at this up. group on paper and look who they're relying on. I mean, on paper, like, I mean, on paper. It does not excite names. me. But, um, you know, I'm, I, I kind of buy into how they get down, like how they play, how they approach it. That's enough to get me close. Then I think they find a way to get over, get over the top. Najee Harris is the guy that gives them the push down the stretch. That's what they needed. Yeah, we're going to find out who makes the run game. between you know For that age-old debate, the runner versus the offensive line, if you'd rather have a great runner and an okay it's, offensive it's line. Because remember, Matt Canada is going to do a lot of jet sweep motion and action and all those things. It's going to look different, but it's going to be about the same. <sighs> You're not a believer. 
Man, you're not a believer in smoking mirrors. I, you don't I, like going to haunted houses. I, I, you don't like I, I'm smoking just telling mirrors. you, man. I'm just telling you that, uh, you know, Miles Garrett's going to go to sleep with a smile on his face the night before they pit Pittsburgh. Ball's coming out right now. The ball is coming out. The field is going to shrink. The field is going to shrink. All right, defensively, let's get to the other side of the ball. Defensively, um, just made a move and brought in Melvin Ingram. I, to me, I, I think there's some overreaction to that move. Uh, I think Melvin is uh, is physical. He's tough. He has not been healthy lately. He does not have the same burst or juice, and the production reflected that over the last you couple he's, years. He's, and he's, I, he's 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 had a great career. He's not better than Alex Highsmith. Like people have just mm-hmm. like chalked, okay. like pushed him right into the starting lineup. Like Alex Highsmith's a good young player. I, he's not. He is starting. Like I, I'll be very surprised if Alex Highsmith is not opposite of TJ Watt. He's he's a better player at this point in time in their respective careers. No disrespect to Melvin. He's had a great run, a great career. He's just not the same player that he was when he was younger. Alex Highsmith is is ready to roll. He's a good player right now. Competition brings. Brings it out of everybody. So put more guys into the mix. Let them all compete. Let them all find their way. I, I'm not opposed to doing that. Um, we'll see. Like we'll, we'll see how this plays out. I I just think the smoke and mirrors impact on this offense is going to change stuff. Your eyes are going to be all over the place. I, I will say when you talk to people around the league about this defense, um, Stephon Tuitt's got a lot of love around oh, the yeah. league. He doesn't get as much buzz for some reason. He's a good football player, and a lot of people around the league are very high on him. So, yeah, um, the real, real high on him is funny, but they also always talk about Cam, Cam Hayward. Yeah, but I feel like Cam, Cam gets his due. I mean, Cam's a known commodity. He's a great player. He's had a great reputation. And I think some of that, too, is, you know, Cam was a one. Um, Tuitt was a two. So sometimes – you know, you get held to that a little bit. But it, you talk about teams that have played against them and offensive line coaches yeah. and offensive linemen. There's a lot of respect around the league for, for to it. Um, we'll see if they can, again, you know, stay healthy. I like where they are in the in the back end. We'll see that, you know, I, I, like, I say I like where they are. I like that. I like where Minka can do as a floater over the top. I don't love the corner group. I think it's I think it's a collection of guys. I don't think there's a not a there's definitely not a shutdown guy. I don't know if there's a number one, not a number no, one corner in the mix, but they have a lot of depth of just kind of like good players, two, twos and threes, like two and yeah, three just a bunch players. of good players, yeah. and then they put them in a scheme that really allows them to flourish. That's why I'm excited to see what Matt Canada does. Yeah, you know, yeah. see how he impacts it, see what kind of sprinkles he puts on this game. But I, I look at them inside that division, and on paper, we'll see. Everybody's got to get to the starting block healthy and all that. Um, I, I take Cleveland over them. I take Baltimore over them. Um, and I think maybe them and Cincinnati are close, but I would say Cincinnati's on the way up. Pittsburgh's on the way down. You know, it, I don't know. It, it's, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, I know, wanted to come back, chase a Super Bowl. I don't think that's a Super Bowl. I don't think that's a Super Bowl roster personally. Mm, 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 mm. It's tough because I had to see him play the first four games of the year, see what adjustments he makes. The field is, that field is going to shrink. Um, it's going to be a problem. All right, let's uh, let's get to the last one here. Super Bowl champs team comes back um, basically in its entirety here. They just spent the day at the White House. Tom Brady had a couple of funny one-liners uh, over there. But you win this, you win in this league with with pass rush. You win with win with good quarterback play. They're in good good shape in both spots. They are in good shape in both spots. I don't know about you. Are you a little surprised? Chris Godwin didn't get a long term deal done. They're making him play on that one year. 
Yeah, I mean, I they, they've got a lot of mouths to feed there. Um, he's a really good player, and they they have so much depth there. The interesting thing is going to be, you know, with Mike Evans going into the future because he's, you know, the older statesman of the bunch, whereas Godwin's still kind of he's, – he's already really, really good but still on the come. Mm-hmm. So that, that'll be an interesting decision they have to make off into the future. But I think for right now it was, hey, let's just make sure we can get everybody back on the boat. However, we have to situate the dollars, but let's just get everybody back on the boat. Yeah, no, I think they're doing a good job of running it back, having the entire defense back, most of the overall majority of the offense. Like, all those guys were free and they came back because of what um, people feel like they're building down in Tampa. Tom Brady has done a great job of putting his, his thumbprint on the, the finger and the pulse of the team. When I, when I think about this team, this team is a defensive-led squad. Their offense like, finds a way to light, light up scoreboards. But it's their defense that's really going to determine how they how they make a run, how they defend their title. What I do like is Tom Brady's second year, not necessarily under the system, under the tutelage of this coaching staff. I think they've reached that synergy where they know exactly what the other is thinking. That gives them a chance. That gives them a chance to be very, very successful. Yeah, here's a second uh, notebook idea free of charge. We always preach, and I know you've been a huge proponent of this for years and years, about building your team up the middle. So if you look defensively and you wanted to rank the uh, – take the top interior defensive lineman, the top uh, off-the-ball um, linebacker, and then take your your favorite, your best safety of the group. So you take those three guys mm. and went all 32 teams. The, Tampa would be in the top three or four, no question, because Vita Vey is a dominant player. We saw what Devin White can do. Look what he did in the in the postseason as a young, instinctive, fast, athletic linebacker. And you look at an, at an up-and-coming Winfield, who's not always going to play in the middle of the field. He moves around, but you can list him as a safety. So between those three guys and you look at the age of those three players, man, that, that's a stock I'd want to buy if you're looking up the middle. Look, man, I'm, I'm big time buying, buying and, and building a team up the middle. You have to be strong right down the pipes. And if you're strong down the middle, it gives you an opportunity because – OD coordinator Dick Duran used to talk about, hey, you want to make sure that you're stout down the middle. You want to run, make them run to the edges where you have your speed and you have athleticism to run it down and close the gate. It's tough. We're, we're at that time where, where we're just trying to figure out, okay, this is who we are. This is what we have. This is how we need to play going forward. Can they stick to it without being bored? Yeah. Can they can but they I think that's show good. I think- maturity to be able to handle it? But I think that's good. They brought everybody back. You want to run it back. But they still have – while they have the veteran players, they still have a lot of young, talented players playing key roles. And I think those guys bring energy, which is going to be big. 17-game season, coming off a championship, you need some juice guys, some energy guys. Tom, it doesn't matter how old he is, he's always going to bring energy and juice. So I think they're, I think they're in good shape there. And, we, and, look, we talk about Devin White and Levante David – has been you know one of the best linebackers in the NFL for a long time. We had Luke Keekley on. I mean, he went out of his way to say how how impressed he's been with Levante David, what he's accomplished during his career. I mean, let's just think about it. Like this team is loaded for bear. Like they I mean, we won't even see any of the young guys get a chance to really do anything significant. Um, so now, how are they? How are they not better? Like, I mean, I don't, I don't, unless Tom Brady falls off. How is this team not better? I mean, they should be leaps and bounds better because Tom will have the confidence in knowing the system and the personnel. He can begin to get to the third and fourth progressing read based on what he sees. I mean, they're scary. I obviously wouldn't want to have to deal with them, but 
I mean, they're they're a very very scary offensive bunch, and then their defense is downright nasty. Yeah, no no doubt. Uh, all right, before we roll out of here, just real quick, we don't even spend a, a ton of time on this buck, but um, it was an interesting article on ESPN uh, where they they talked about kind of the evolution of the personnel department in college. So I'll, I'll let you run with it here, but I thought it was a very fascinating article. Well, DJ, I, I know like we count some of these guys that are um, mentioned in the piece as, as friends because mm-hmm. the growing trend in, in college football has been to basically build out an NFL-like front office. So you have your DPP or some people call it the general manager who's in charge of the personnel, the recruiting and all that. And there's a, a crew that works up under them. And they kind of handled all the recruiting where back in our day, it was dealing with the position coach and the position coach had your area. He had to kind of sniff around and figure out the scores and what you did. Yeah, not not anymore. This is a big time operation. And I came away from the article one, having a great appreciation for all the DPPs. But Mm -hmm. the other thing is for people who come from the National Football League or the older executive that kind of ages out of the National Football League on a team where he can't necessarily do those things. Is there a place for the older veteran scout who knows football, who understands players, who has like a ton of wisdom in terms of projecting and those things? Is there room for that guy in that personnel department? Because in North Carolina, for instance, when Mac Brown came back and, 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 and took over, Two guys that he hired to work in that office were one was Daryl Moody. Daryl mm-hmm. Moody, when I was there, was the offensive coordinator. He'd been a quarterback coach, a running back coach. He got out of college and was on the road scouting for a few different organizations. They bring him back, and his job is he looks at the tape and he projects, he looks at the team, some in the transfer portal and those things. He also had Sparky Woods, who was also a former head coach who App State. It, does all this stuff. And so they were able to – Hell, another set of eyeballs, another set of personnel things, all of that. Now, that is not in the role that we're talking about, like the general manager. But, man, there's so much connectivity between what's going on in college and what's going on in the pro. And I'm absolutely fascinated by all of it. Yeah, we had talked about this on a previous episode. um, And then I actually got a uh, I actually got a text from a uh, power five head coach and. Let me say what do you say? Because um, I had tweeted this out. Every college football program should already have an NFL style personnel department, a high school recruiting side and a transfer portal side, basically oh, yeah. draft and free agency. It's unfair to grade a recruiting class alone. Uh, you need to give an equal uh, value to the transfer portal additions. Not long before it's going to be 50 50 high school kids, transfer kids. And I got a text from a power five uh, head coach who said, I could not agree more. Uh, um, we we took, we took 14 transfers uh, this year. Hope you're doing well. Like that's that's what it is. So it's kind of in a bummer because you always like to say, "Oh, this team had the number one recruiting class in the country." Like that's all going no, to be. They had to rethink. They had to rethink that whole thing. Yeah, you have to rethink all of that because now you have to talk about like the transfers and transfers have to be that DJ. I think we also have to include these people into the conversation depending upon how the school uses them based on the ever-changing NCAA guidelines and rules, the player development, player development department, mm-hmm. right? So 
we are beginning to now see, like we've seen it in basketball for a long time, where you see player development coaches, like guys who are there to really help the kids develop skills. They're not necessarily X and O's coaches, but it's, hey, DJ, you're a guard. You can go work with our guy. And he's going to get around. I think Miles Simon in basketball used to be one of those guys. I know he worked for the Lakers for a while, but he used to do some stuff. He would go and work to get your handles right. Mm-hmm. Well, now I wonder because it seems like college football is going all in on these pro-style departments. We have that DPP. We have the general manager type. What else can we use for the development piece? Because we are seeing more guys go. I just saw where Taj Boyd was hired back uh, at Clemson as a player development guy. Mm-hmm. And he said it's somewhere between an analyst and a coach. So it's that mix of on-field, off-field. I kind of help players kind of figure it out and do those things. I just think it's very, very fascinating the way the college football landscape is changing right before our eyes. And there are times where we're seeing the big teams, the brand names, where they may have – it appears that they have 20-plus people on staff in certain capacities. How much bigger does that go? So you really can service not only those older players that are on the field playing – but the developmental players that you're bringing in, some off transfer, some that are coming off high school, you have to find a way to develop all of those kids. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, man. It's from what college football was five years ago. DJ, it's, a, it's like a totally different sport uh, right different, now. Like a completely different world where you had um, this. I'll, I'll tell you because we have a kid at high school where I'm coaching who surprisingly has, has become a big time recruit i talked mm-hmm. to a, a a big 10 team um yesterday i talked to a, a mountain west team i've talked to pac 12 teams all calling and it is different because it's not a quote-unquote coach it's somebody mm-hmm. from the personnel departments and they want to know the ins and outs and dj the questions that mm-hmm. i'm getting are, are funny because those are the questions that we would answer ask on school calls yeah. a family life background who does he run with Tell me a little bit about the football character. Yeah. What about the the regular In, injury, injury history, background character? How do you see him developing and projecting and doing all these other things? What do you think his best position is? And it's, it's, it's funny for me, right? Because, I mean, the kid is a, a rising junior. He super track star. And so that's what do you think his best position is? And so I got on my old scouting head. I'm like, well. I mean, for us, he's going to run it. But at the next level, I think, I mean, if you're six foot, 175 pounds and you play corner, you know, I'm like the money's yeah, at corner. No, like go no play, doubt. go play corner if you're an athlete. Yeah. But all of those things, but they're trying to put all of that stuff together to just kind of figure it out. And, you know, we've been around it like they have their own, quote unquote, boards that are like draft boards with yeah. all of the other stuff. Um, I just think it's very interesting when it comes to the general manager and the head coach good programs i would expect the head coach to be able to clearly articulate this is the kind of team i want these are the kind of players that we want and those things i don't know if all head coaches are capable of doing that though yeah that makes it, it, very, it definitely very it definitely helps with continuity too because it takes a while to build up that that machine and to get people that you trust and that all see things the same and then you, you turn over your coach, you start all over again uh, on that front. So it, it's it's different, man. How about this little nugget as we're getting ready to wind it up? 
Uh, Nick Saban, speaking at the Texas High School Coaches Association Convention, uh, this is a tweet from Chris Hummer, a uh, quote from Nick Saban, uh, asked when he was asked about NIL, our QB has already approached ungodly numbers and he hasn't even played yet. If I told you what it is, it's almost seven figures. Bryce Young has pulled in, he hasn't started a game at Alabama yet. Different. It's a different. It's a different era, bud. It's a different era, but DJ, like, what you want to see is who are going to be the big time schools that really maximize and take advantage of the NIL. I don't know if you saw yeah. the thing with Texas A&M, where the Aggies had uh, a publication that paid ten thousand dollars for exclusivity when it came to an interview with a couple of different prospects. Yeah. So you have those kinds of things. You have. Um, the deal that took place in Miami where Miami signed the entire team to a deal with one of those MMA gyms yeah. and those things like without the regulation. I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, it's not kind of, it is the wild, wild West, but I think for coaches and teams, the thing that you have to manage is the haves and the have nots mm-hmm. because they're going to be your star players and your quarterbacks that are first in line, that get all the stuff and their money may be, significant what do you do about the other guys and how do you keep the the team together when money's involved because now right. what used to be oh for the love of the game college now you have money involved it it does alter the dynamics and so your team building process as a coach and all of that it is going to be tested and your organizational approach in terms of being able to think about okay we need to have someone who is great with the NIL stuff, who mm-hmm. is great with kind of connecting the dots and trying to pair our players with those in the business world and the community to do some of these things. My goodness, man. It, like now when we talk about the college football head coach, like we used to kind of say, oh, he's a CEO type. He's an X and O. You better have great CEO skills or you better have an outstanding right hand person to help you navigate through some of this stuff because it's a lot that is on your your watch. Yeah, you know, there's so many different layers to this. This is one of the questions I was thinking of. I got to talk to some, maybe Bruce Feldman could help me out on this, but you can do, and I would imagine you can do incentive contracts, right, for these for these deals. So think about that. Like my brother-in-law represents a, a ton of the top marathon runners. He has uh, Des Linden, who won the Boston Marathon a couple years ago. He, he was in the Olympic trials four years, very successful marathoner. But now he represents all these runners. Well, all his contracts he has with them, with shoe companies, watch companies, you know, uh, and nutrition companies, they're all they're all based off bonuses of how they finish in these big races and marathons. So like if I'm, if I, if I own a restaurant, I mean, I, I, you might say, Hey, look, this is our, our rival game. You know, Hey, if we beat our rival game, everybody in the whole place, it's, you know, it's free food for the, you know, for the whole team, like, or whatever oh, else incentives I you like want to it. do. I mean, I, couldn't see, you start see, doing that type of incentive? See, see at, at, at North Carolina, um, I think for the basketball games, Gosh, if you hit the hundred, if you're in the century mark, yeah. I think it's like tacos and chalupas for everybody somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. And so when you're watching those games, it's like hit a hundred, <laughs> like, like like people are going going crazy. So now you start incentivizing stuff, and you got things out there. You got. I mean, you're you're here. you're a department store. Like, hey, we beat you know we beat Duke this this week. Everybody on the football teams, it's a thousand dollars at at oh uh, at Dillard's. I'll just, the, the, Florida State didn't need to take anything out of Dillard's. They could have just got it for free. <laughs> Who was that? Do you remember? 
I, I, I do remember. Was it like Lavernius Coles? Is that who it was? I, 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 I just remember, remember. I remember that crew. It was it was mid mid nineties. I remember yeah. they were in the middle it was of that free, stuff. free shoes university. It free shoes, nickname. but but I I just think about all the different things and how you trying to. I mean, like it it just never stops. It's just no. so many different things going on, and you just have to really be really organized and detailed and have it all together to be able to make sure that. You're not only giving the players what they need because just know their buddies at other universities are going to be talking about what mm-hmm. is going on over there. It a lot, a lot. I'm, going thinking, on, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about you know App plays Miami. We I'm beat sure, the Hurricanes. I'm sure you, I'm sure you beat the Hurricanes. Talking. I might be some move the sticks. Uh, you know decals. Yeah, I think you. I think I think you may be giving them more than decals. Like I think I think they're they're probably calling you the hey, Daniel. We need. We need the big booster. It's a big week no, this week. Yeah, no, like, we got to get back. I met the big booster when I was out there speaking. It, 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 you're not looking at him. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Uh, need need to call it the big booster. It's coastal uh, week. It's yeah. Georgia oh, Southern yeah, week. Oh, yeah, that's we need a good to, one. Yeah, we need, yeah, we need to make it happen. Who do y'all have? Who do y'all have non-league? Do y'all have somebody? So uh, we, have, we have two biggies. We've got uh, – uh, East Carolina, I think we open up with East Carolina in uh, at the Panthers' place down there in Charlotte. Their first two games are in NFL stadiums. So East Carolina, they play in Charlotte, and then they're at Miami. Um, oh, yeah, obviously, you? yeah. Hmm. I think oh, those yeah. are too bad. I think they have a Marshall, like a big Thursday night game against Marshall, like a national ESPN game. I want to say. Yeah, I'm looking. Carolina just had like they played Virginia Tech right up. They're coming out strong. I mean. Nothing crazy like last year's schedule was going to be the one that was a head knocker. Like when they were playing, they're supposed to play Auburn and all of that out the gate. No, they don't need to do that. Yeah, not anymore. It, it look, it's a changing landscape. Um, like those non-league games and, and those things, and depending upon the playoff stuff or whatever. Like, do you do you play the heavy hitters? Is it worth your time to play the heavy hitters, or do you just try and focus on winning your conference? Yeah. That was fascinating, man. All right, we got to run. This has been fun, man. Buck, the uh, the column's coming out Friday. Notebook? Uh, notebook will come out Friday. We will see what we can um, come up put with. Together. All right, I've, I've given you two very good suggestions. So either either uh, this week or in future weeks, I, I just I need a, this is the last little nugget on the end of your uh, the end of your notebook. That's all I'm looking for. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, all right, guys. So we appreciate it. We're going to be uh, out on the road for training camps here pretty soon. Next week, we're going to have a lot of uh, preview content looking at all 32 teams with a couple episodes next week as well. So we have one more coming up this week, and then next week, man, we really get cranking. So appreciate you guys hanging with us. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.